Hello and welcome to our table here at Death and Axes, where I do my best to paint a picture of a grim dark world of horror and blood, while my players do their best to subvert it with hilarious nonsense. My name is Jeff Hawkins, your host and Dungeon Master. My name is David Ramsington, and I play Ramus Balxador, the Scarred Nomad Ranger. My name is Ian Coughlin, and I play the Copper Dwarf, Basalt Feldspar, Paladin of Mutter Jade. I'm Lacey Canton, and I'm playing Deasim, Swords for Hire. My name is Lila, and I'll be playing Petra, Dwarven Sorceress of the Sisterhood of the Choir of the Stone. Nathan Anderson, I play Dorshan, Seeker of Book. Back in college, we used to sit around a table and roll dice like a bunch of nerds every week. Everything from D&D to Shadowrun, Deadlands to L5R. But over the years, we started playing less and less as we were scattered across the country. While we were reminiscing about some of the shenanigans in our old campaigns, we thought that starting a podcast would be the perfect excuse to get into some brand new shenanigans. The original setting for this campaign is high fantasy horror, which means we have as much blood, violence, death, and spoopy stuff as we do comedy. We also use some salty language. You have been warned. So without further ado, let's join our adventurers in the free cities of Ophesia. Previously, on Death and Axes. Dorshan, the half-mountain elf seeker priest of Book, was tasked by his superiors to gather an expedition and investigate an active outbreak of the Ebon Plague, a disease that rose up from the soil a thousand years ago, raising the dead, twisting the living into wretched abominations, and leaving stretches of barren land scarred black. Since the initial wave washed across the continent, the plague has simmered just below the crust of the land to slowly rot away at what has survived. Having never been granted such a dangerous task, Dorshan was unsure if this was a test or a suicide mission. But so it goes. A life means nothing in the face of uncovering a great truth. He was given a one-pound bag of silver and told to meet a contact in the Iron Dwarf Enclave of Blood Iron Bastion for more detailed instructions. In the best of conditions, this perilous journey would take at least a week's time, and given his reputation among local mercenaries as the sole survivor of all his previous expeditions, he would have to seek his hirelings on the road. He first stopped in the town of Schattendorf, where he recruited the mysterious sellsword Decim, whom the locals had credited with saving a young girl from a blood mage. Their strange accent marked them as having some connection with the ruthless mountain kings that circled the free cities to the south and the west, but their frame was too stocky to be an elf. Their heavy cloak, concealed face, and ruby goggles resembled the steps that iron dwarves take to protect their skin and eyes from the sun, but they were too tall to be a dwarf. Dorshan put it to the back of their mind. Such an imposing figure would certainly prove useful. In the great port city of Kahim, Dorshan joined up with a caravan to ensure safe passage to Blood Iron Bastion. Shortly after leaving the city, he met the Copper Dwarf Paladin Basalt, or Salt for short. The handsome dwarf spoke of a companion he was protecting, Petra, and after some prodding divulged that they'd been traveling across the continent for over a year in search of answers regarding a curse. Dorshan was deeply intrigued by this and offered both coin and assistance with this curse should Salt and Petra agree to work for him. Salt reluctantly agreed on behalf of both of them, but Dorshan could see no female copper dwarf nearby and couldn't help but notice that the otherwise stoic dwarf seemed awkward whenever she came up in conversation. He noted these concerns as something to bring up later, but for now he's at least doubled the strength of the expedition. Shortly before the caravan reached its first stop in the large town of Sadebeer, Dorshan noticed a weary stone elf skulking out of the brush toward the caravan. 
filthy and clearly exhausted, with their longbow still on their back, the elf appeared to be more skittish than nefarious. Dorshan invited them over and signaled the caravan guards to remain calm as the elf introduced themselves as Ramus. Dorshan could see through the filth that coated Ramus's skin that their veins were black, an indication of one who has survived the Ebon Plague. Knowing that many hold the wrong-headed idea that survivors carry the plague with them, he quickly helped Ramus to one of the carts to ensure he was covered and had a chance to rest. He then paid off the caravan guards, hoping it would engender him to Ramus. Survivors of the plague are known to have a degree of resistance. This one could be handy, assuming he can nurse him back to health. And as the sun sets, the caravan reaches the town of Sadebeer, just a few more days' travel from Blood Iron Bastion. The wagons stop just outside the walls, but still inside of the town guard to break for camp. Sadebeer is a large town, nearly a city with perhaps several thousand inhabitants. It is unremarkable and uncultured, but will service all of your needs. It is a hub for the rolling farmlands that extend to the northwest as far as the eye can see, acting as Kahim's breadbasket. It also serves as the center of Kahim's trade with the Iron Dwarves further to the northwest and the Steel Dwarves up in the mountains to the west. In the north, you can almost see where the hills give way to the coast. To the south and the southwest are heavily forested foothills. I forgot to mention this earlier, so I'll note it now. Until this point, the path from Avonfirth to Kahim and Kahim to Sadebeer has been along old imperial roads. These are wide roads that were constructed with powerful magics um, and enchanted with great durability and uh, a limited degree of self-repair. They've managed to endure about a thousand years since the fall of the Empire. The roads ahead are going to give way to more traditional medieval-style quote-unquote dirt roads, sort of winding paths trampled by use but not particularly well tended to. And you also know that the Iron Dwarves do not patrol or inhabit the surface of the territories they claim, which means that those areas are left to grow wild and are surely inhabited by forest folk like elves and trolls and boggins and powerful animal spirits and all other sorts of horrible, awful, scary things that don't respond kindly to outsiders. Actually, at this point, I'm going to um, grab Ramus and, and say, it's like, come, my friend, let's, uh, let's see to your wounds. I, I, I don't know if that's appropriate. Shush. So um, I'm going to pull him someplace um, out of sight of uh, others. Do you let him? So just kind of like stumble along with him. like. <laughs> so I'm going to um, wipe off a little bit more of the, uh, the mud to check that, that I did in fact see that there was uh, uh, black veins. I grab your hand and like... Hold your hand over top of the thing you were trying to uncover. And I said to him, I say, no one must know. All right, so, um, Jeff, what would I have to roll to know about the, uh, the infection? In terms of knowing about its history or about the effects of the illness itself? In terms of knowing about the disease. Okay, so that's a medicine check. All right, so I'm going to um, channel divinity and um, use. Hang on. While well, while Nathan's looking this up, I'm I'm going to assume Jeff, this is not a normal disease. It's not something that I could just go over and cure, right? Even though I, I'm not there, I'm just saying for future reference, I would just. Yeah, no, the Ebon Plague is definitely a next level, a natural disease. Um, it's common knowledge. There's no real cure, and 
not even powerful alchemy or spell work will have much of an effect. Right, right. Just just kind of how like a remove curse would not necessarily work on what I'm trying to do. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm trying to determine like how far along he is. All right, so um, so knowledge of the ages will give me um, a proficiency in medicine for the next ten minutes. So, ooh, woof. That that ten won't do ya. So, with a ten, you can see just the obvious stuff. He's not dying, and he's not a scar revenant, uh, which is to say, a creature that's been mutated by the plague or killed and resurrected by it. There's not really anything you think you can do. Uh, you think maybe he just needs a couple nights good rest. Well, you're um, you're not a remnant. I know. I uh, I was saved by a stranger. I would be if it weren't for him. It's like how did you how did you fall into the scar? How did you end up here? Well, I don't know if you know the history of my people. I think it would help enlighten you if you did. All right, I'm I'm going to make a history check. 22. Good job. Okay, 22. So with the hustle of meeting him on the road and negotiating with the caravan, uh, this kind of escaped you, but after gathering yourself and reconnecting with uh, the Codex, uh, of course, you know everything about this. Uh, You know that the Stone Elves used to live deep under the earth and were neighbors to the Iron Dwarves. Like all elves, they kind of take after the natural elements of their home environments. And they'd always kind of, you know, had friction with their industrious dwarves that they shared it with. Um, But unlike other elves, they tend to be more stoic than savage. And the earth gives them a resilience that's on par with with the dwarves. Uh, You would also know that when the Ebon Plague first boiled out of the earth and forced the the stone elves and the iron dwarves to the surface... um, it shattered the Iron Dwarves' empire, and the two groups became fast allies of necessity and sort of had a shared purpose of reclaiming the depths. Since being pushed to the surface, most Stone Elves have become vagabonds that kind of travel in small familial groups, and they don't have the same sort of hypersensitivity to the sun as Iron Dwarves, but they've still uh, grown to rely on the Iron Dwarf enclaves as places of refuge. Uh, you're also vaguely aware that the Stone Elves have an order of rangers known as the Scarred Nomads. These are elves that intentionally infect themselves with the Ebon Plague at dead scar sites, and the survivors use their connection to the plague to hunt revenants at plague outbreaks. Uh, but often, civilians will mistake their presence as the cause of the outbreak rather than as being there to help contain it. Ah, okay. So you're a ranger. I suppose. I Part of my lineage is to find a solution and regain our home. It is not sustainable to be this way. But my life doesn't matter. It's the future that matters. All right. Um, I, too, seek some answers, and I could use the help of one such as yourself. But you need rest in order to be... Um, useful and Jeff out of character when does the caravan leave uh, Don and um, uh, would it be a good idea to travel without them uh, 
you're about to head off the old Imperial Roads onto just plain dirt roads. It's about a day's walk across some hilly farmland to Lotenden and the border keep to the Iron Dwarves Hills. Uh, that part shouldn't be too rough, but after that it's another two or three days from there to Blood Iron, and that'll be where it gets really hairy going through uh, the wild forests that are only really patrolled by the caravans themselves. All right, so I'll turn back to... Um... I, I didn't even check. Did Is Decim in salt with us? Would you have followed him off to the, the side? I follow where the money goes. <laughs> uh, honestly, no. No, out of character. I, I think I would follow, but I would give them some distance. It looks like they want to talk by themselves, but I don't want the money to be taken away. So I'm going to keep an eyeball on everything. Yeah, in all honesty, salt is probably... Um, since he didn't even notice, he, and the caravan stopped, and there wasn't a lot of alarm and maybe some loud talking, he's, his focus was probably elsewhere. So he's not—he he's, probably doesn't know. All right, so I'll turn—I'll turn back around and just see Decim, and just and you know, kind of look back and forth to see if you're, you're a big shadow. All right, this man is going uh, would be very useful to us, but he needs rest for the next couple of days if he's going. Um, if, if he's going to be useful to us. So um, go and find... Uh, we need to find Salt and let him know that we're not continuing with the caravan. Aw. Oh, okay. I go get Salt. Oh, this will be fun. This will be <laughs> so as, fun. As Decim leaves, I'll turn back around. It's like, the person, Basalt, not, not the... Uh. <laughs> I'll turn back to Ramus <laughs> and say... um. You need to um, get bed rest for the next couple of days. I'll see if I can procure an ointment, maybe something that we can paint your skin with that a little bit less conspicuous than mud. That's probably wise. I, why are you doing this? I'm going to be frank with you. Um, I'm on a, a research gathering mission for the Cult of Book. And uh, we are going to be going to a, a freshly bloomed scar. Well, that is of direct interest to me. I thought it might. And I feel um, your expertise could be very useful in this quest. It is, in fact. I am just the person that you need. All right, then. Um, I'll tell my companions that we will not be continuing with the, uh, the caravan and... We'll get you the time that you need to rest, and when you're able, we'll continue. Very well. I, I'm indebted to you. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's more like a yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I assume Desim like finds salt and says, "Uh, salt, uh, come. Uh, Dorshan wants us." I'm drinking from, uh, I'm just drinking a little bit from my stein. Uh, I look as the giant, <laughs> oh, um, yes, how, how can I help? Uh, follow, Dorshan. Okay. Uh, caravan, uh, no good no more. We stopping. Are we in danger? No, uh, something, uh... Oh, how you say, uh, person show up, uh, need him. Are they all right? Do they need healing? Maybe. 
I don't know. So I'll get up and I'll get up and go. I, I, I'm just assuming that I need to be there. I just don't understand <laughs> what Tessim is saying. Still learning common. Uh, I don't think any of us are common, but you'll learn. Um, and I'll, I'll keep following. All right. So you guys get over to where Dorshan has been talking to Ramus. I'm going to point at the new person and say, Im. He's the one who needs healing. Uh, I think so. So I, I, I'll go over and I'll look at uh, Dorshan and be like, I'm needed. I'm afraid um, our friend uh, merely needs some bed rest. The uh, He will need um, a little bit more than uh, even what your skills can provide. If he needs uh, healing or cure, I, I, I can assist. I don't quite, I, I don't know uh, what Dorshan's stopping me from, so I'll, I'll try to approach uh, Ramas. I'm, I'm here to help. How, how can I help? I'll, um, I'll step in front. He's like, uh, there's no really need to concern yourself with it. Just um, that we will not be able to continue with the caravan. He needs bed rest for the next few days. What did he get at that on the caravan? I'm sure that with um, the four of us, we can make it to um, Lotenden. And from there, t- uh, we'll be able to um, pick up the caravan again and make it to Blood Iron Bastion. What am I to do about my compatriot? My, pa- my traveling partner, I can't just leave her. Well, is she with a caravan? She's asleep right now. She'll, she might join us later, but I'll have to leave her a message. Then do so. So now <laughs> I gotta think how to do this. Um, Good luck. Yeah. Salt doesn't like traveling unless he's traveling by himself with large groups, because then, then his story passes. I'll I'll take a few steps away from the group. I'm gonna look back. And I'm gonna look at Desim and and Rama and be like, Dorshin, can I talk? Can we speak? Um, I'll switch to uh to Brass. No, I, I, I it, it the minute you try to like like I could see you thinking like you're gonna talk to me in the language. I'll just talk in common like no, just away from the group, if you don't mind. Very well. So we'll we'll walk away from the others. Uh, don't worry. I keep eye. That's. That's fine. And if he does, if he does need anything from me, do you let me know? Oh, okay. Dorshan, uh, she'll follow later. I'll have to let her know. But she, she's one of, she's one of the Choir of Stone. I kind of just have her traveling alone without me. Oh, okay. That answers a few questions. So, what I'm thinking is maybe she stays with the caravan. I'll come with you. But I may have to leave if she calls me for help. I, of course. It's just that we can't continue on with uh, um, Ramus in such a state. Make a uh, b- uh, salt. Make a deception check with advantage. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. I rolled an <laughs> eight. So remember, my last roll was a six. I'm going up by two so far every time. The roll, uh, roll again. Oh wait, hold on. Sorry, my bad. Well, I rolled a twelve. <laughs> so I do my best, but I'm probably tripping over a little bit. My words. So just, uh, actually, I'm going to have Dorshan actually make an insight roll. 20. He's He does have a traveling companion. Her name is Petra, and she is a sister of the choir. But there's something fishy he's not telling you about where she is. All right. Um, well, if... I'll go get my gear. Yes, why don't you do that? And 
Make sure that you leave some kind of message for your companion. <laughs> should you need to uh, um, go to her. I wonder if Nathan is staring like fastly at my beard, seeing if like I'm wearing a fake beard or if I have like red hair <laughs> under a wig or something. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, I, I go and get my, my stuff. Is If I check the the trinket can i tell if she's close or not okay i, I want to see if she's close i like if if there's a chance i can delay enough that she'll switch with me i'll do it but if not i'll set out with them but i definitely will leave notes <laughs> i'm, I'm going to take some time to write in the journal uh describing all uh three of them so far uh kind of describing that he seems to have some knowledge I don't exactly know what we've been asked to do. Uh, and I'll kind of give her a story, uh, write down a story for her if she shows up that um, she caught up with us. So when you look in the mirror, she is nearby enough that you can see her. And she looks in fair condition. She doesn't look too travel worn. Okay. All right. I'll, I guess I'll take this leg still. She places her hand against the mirror. Oh, um... I'll do the same as well. Uh, then I'll kind of just like hammer it with my fist, like just, I guess, you know, put my hand on over her face and then kind of wipe the face down, put my thumb on the glass mirror and just kind of like rub over and then, uh, then close it. And then I'll head back to the group. Okay. But I'll keep, I'll keep it. I'm, the thing is, is I'm like, I'm not going to let it out of my hand. It's still going to be in my hand. So when you go back to, to Dorshan, you're still holding the mirror in your hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. I assume it's the size. Like it's like the size of a large amulet. I would think. Yeah, it's like a large locket. Okay. Yeah. I I see him and I go. Uh, she says she'll catch up. Very good. All right. So let's see to uh, our companions' um, accommodations. All right. So if you are you gonna set up a uh, your own camp or are you gonna try and find a tavern? Um, I was gonna try and find a tavern. Uh, so inside the town walls, there are a few different taverns that have a couple rooms each, as well as two larger inns that are a few stories tall and have many more rooms. Uh, one of them is clearly on the lower end, a bit off the main strip and serving the seasonal laborers that are just now starting to come into town. And the other is clearly much nicer, much better fixtures on the exterior and closer to the central road on the north side of town. Uh, clearly more the kind of place for merchants. Uh, I'll take the lead on this one. Um, if, if they're not walking, I'll walk towards the one of the nicer ends that I can see. Okay, so you kind of lead the the group to the nicer inn, and Ramus is just kind of like tightly bundling himself in his robe. Yeah, I I think he's probably just totally exhausted and can barely walk, so he's just kind of falling and catching himself. I'm I'm sure I'm sure Decim or I can easily hold you up. Yeah, I was gonna say I I feel like I could probably pick you up slightly, or at least let you lean on me. Yeah, I probably wouldn't let you pick me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe feebly try to wiggle out of it or whatever. But uh, I mean, I probably could. Yeah, I think I'd be. I, I I'll try and approach and then put my arm underneath your arm to sort of like lift you up. Just barely, just enough to help you walk. I think Ramus lets out this like relieved breath, like just 
bearing his own weight is kind of unbearable at the moment. Do I need to roll strength? Or... No. <laughs> he's, it's not like he's wearing heavy plate or something. No, I'm just like wearing like leather armor and a oh, cloak. Okay. All right, so I'm going to give um, 10 silver to Salt and say, all right, take this, get us some rooms. Um, it, it should be more than enough. Tell them we'll need to stay for three days, maybe four. That should that should be enough. I'll be back. All right. I'll, I'll do that. But, again, he, he's not looking too good. He'll look better given a few days' bed rest. He's right. There's nothing your magic can do. I'll trust you then. All right, so um, I'm going to head back to where the caravan guards are, and I will inform them that we will um, go, that we are going to be staying for the time being, but we will um, attempt to catch up in Lotendun. <laughs> the caravan master kind of scoffs and says, "Look, we're headed out at dawn, and we'll be in Lotendun by tomorrow evening. Uh, we're only staying there the night, so I doubt you'll catch up. But uh, if you do, you're welcome to join back up with us uh, since you already paid. But we don't give refunds." I'll I'll look him up and down, and then pr- proceed to my next stop, which is the local market. Okay. And I'll attempt to procure some uh, any kind of herbs that I can find that I think would be helpful, and also something to um, <laughs> something to paint his skin. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of apothecaries here. You want to make uh, make a quick insight check? Ooh. Nine. <laughs> Man. You look up and down uh, the different apothecaries, and you can't really tell the difference between the three of them. All right, so I'll just head into with to the first one. It, it basically it does the first not matter. one you see. Yes. You can randomly determine whether or not that was the best one. Okay, you step inside, and there's some different herbs hanging and drying uh, in racks and some poultices and some potions and just everything you would expect to see in an herbalist shop. There's an old woman just sort of grinding down some kind of dried seeds in a pestle and mortar. All right, from um, that last uh, medicine um, check, would I remember anything about like (laughs) how to help treat this guy? Has it been 10 minutes yet? from the last check, all you really got is that he needs rest and that magic isn't really of any assistance. All right, I'm just going to wing a, uh, a medicine check to see if there's anything here that um, might be helpful. He rolled a six for... He's going to poison me. <laughs> I just grab, like, three things <laughs> right off the shelf. Um... <laughs> he needs aspirin and incense. So, oh, yeah. good lord. Uh, at first, the old woman didn't notice you... Um, but once you start rifling around cluelessly on the shelves, uh, she raises her head and, and she says, Oh, dearie, what is it you need? What's ailing you? Oh my god, please tell her that you're trying to treat somebody who has the Evan Plague. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. I'm just, um, I'm procuring some things that I need for the road. Oh, well, that there, it's only going to help you if you ate some bad pork. Yeah, I know what it's for. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, because obviously I know way more than this person ever could. So, <laughs> so clearly he needs bad pork medicine. <laughs> yep. Well, just let me know if you need any assistance. Uh, otherwise, just bring what you find up to the counter. Would you happen to have um? Would you happen to have any skin creams for uh um for putting on plays? Oh no, dearie, I'm afraid I don't really deal in cosmetics. Uh, then just these. Okay, just the war medicine and the calming incense. That'll be two ten pennies. <laughs> war medicine. So wait, how much? Twenty copper. <laughs> it's. I'll be like, Ugh, all right, and I'll give her twenty coppers. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your custom, young man. All right, so I'll um, head out and uh, look around town to see if there's some place that might have some cosmetics. Hmm, so I guess go ahead and make a investigation check. 17. Okay, so there's a very small playhouse near the edge of town. It's pretty ragged. The shutters are kind of hanging off the windows, and there's no posters or signs about the current production. And you'd expect that there should be a show at this time, but it's it looks like it's closed for the night. All right, I'll head back to the inn. Okay, so we'll cut back to Salt and Ramos and Decim. So the three of you go into the inn, the nice inn on the north side of town. Aren't we a cast of characters? I was going to say. <laughs> imagine me standing there with like dust falling off of me. I was going to say. Not the bad one. I mean, I feel like nope. I feel like we're way more conspicuous than we need to be going into this nice here's, place. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Salt. Remember, he, he's he just feels like he belongs anywhere. So he doesn't quite get that. Okay, so you go in, and there's this sort of stern-looking man behind the front desk. He has tan skin and well-coiffed hair. Uh, he's got this, you know, quite fine upper-class tunic. Uh, he smiles when he sees Salt come through the threshold, but a dark cast sort of falls over his eyes when he sees Ramos and Decim step in behind you. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll walk right up to him and look at him and be like, I completely understand. I know what it must look like, but we're looking for a room. And I just hand him the money. How much? What Nathan gave me. Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you just plop down ten silver coins... And that's what Nathan told me. I'm listening directly to what he said. He told me to <laughs> get us a room and I don't know how much things cost and I'm trusting that he knows. <laughs> so in the sort of deflated D and D economy that we're using, um, and not to get too much into this kind of talk, but, uh, one silver coin here is worth, uh, one gold piece in the rules as written. A silver is a hundred copper and a gold is a hundred silver. Uh, common folk would mostly use pennies and ten pennies, so throwing silver coins around is kind of a flashy, uh, high-profile thing to do. There you go. Please remember that I also said for three or four days. Yes, that's well, that'll come out of my mouth next. I'm just waiting to see if we'll even take it. <laughs> would make pers- uh, persuasion with advantage. Okay, here we go, guys. Please, God. Okay. So, yay, yay! I rolled a 12. I rolled higher than a 10 for the first time all night. Yay! All right, 16 total. So the small pile of silver you drop on the desk sort of turns the innkeep's grimace back into a hungry grin. Three nights. Three nights, I'd be saying. Three nights. Three nights? And how many are we betting? Four, and we'll be quiet. 
Well, all right. I can give you the palace room and the three suites on the top floor. The normal rate to rent out the top floor for three nights would be eight silver to cover room and board. I think that's fair, considering. He claps his hands, and uh, uh, this little, like, teenager jumps out around the corner to stand at attention, and he just sort of orders him to clear out the top floor rooms and get four dinners prepped. But with a group like yours, I'll need another four silver as insurance, all up front. Kind of tilt my head and look at him just a little bit and be like, right, so you got change. I'm not sure if you need a math lesson, friend, but I'll need another two silver. I'll, I'll hold on. I, 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 I'm just going to give him a look and be like, no, I think I think I'm, my math is good. You try to persuade him? No, I'm not going to try to persuade him at all. That's a little bit. <laughs> You know, I've had a long trip. My plans have changed. I'm not exactly happy. Do you want to do an intimidation check? <laughs> I think, I I think. Well, I'm not necessarily pushing a fight. You know, and I understand what this looks like, and I've tried to come in and just be nice about it. I, it seems like. I mean, even though this is a nice place, I'm gonna push it. Yeah, I'll try. I'll just look at it and be like, I I think this will be fine. Okay, go ahead and make an intimidation check. Ooh. What about my average roll for the night? <laughs> 10 plus 6, 16. Okay, so he kind of backs down a little bit, but he's not fully cowed. And he says, All right, you seem like a respectable fellow. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a special group rate, but you'll have to understand that you mercenary types have a way of turning away patrons of a certain class. He thumbs through the handful of silver coins, which um, he'd already picked up off the desk almost without your notice. Nine silver including group rates and insurance. And he hands you back one silver. Okay. Oh, nice. Then I, and I'll be like, and we'd be quiet. I, t- I turn back to everyone. And I, 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 give the, I give the jerky nod of let's go. <laughs> I just like probably looking at the floor or something like that. And I just like slump yeah. into Decim. Like I'm like really happy that yeah. he's pushing me around. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll... Yeah, I got, I got you, fam. It's all good. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll look back at the gentleman like, Thank you for the service. Could you show us to our rooms? Yeah, the, the young man takes you upstairs. All right. Uh, after he shows us the rooms, though, I'll wait downstairs for um, Dorshan. Okay. So takes a few minutes to get settled, but you definitely make it back in time, given that Dorshan's been uh, running around town all night. I'll, I'll have, a, I'll have a, a, a drink or two while I wait. Like, if they charge it, I'll pay for it. I'm not going to be <laughs> rooked, but... <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Uh... Some of the two coppers on drink. Sure. All right. So, Dorshan, you get back, and you see Salt sitting down in the tavern, part of the inn, having a drink. All right. I'll walk up to him, and where where are the others? Upstairs rested. Are you... <laughs> it's like, so, uh, it's like, so you got us the rooms? Three nights. Very good. Let's, uh... I hand him his change. Uh, he uh, he gives you uh, eight ten pennies and eight pennies, so eighty eight copper. Go around. It's a fair place. <laughs> I'll head upstairs and um, try to see to uh, to Ramus with my <laughs> with my incense and worm medicine. Worm <laughs> <laughs> medicine. <laughs> hey does does he get uh, does he get an extra four hearts for staying at the nice place and paying for the extra <laughs> massage? <laughs> So there were four rooms that you got. One of them was their best suite. The other three were the other top floor rooms. So the nicest rooms in the inn. And so which room did Ramus get put up in? 
It's probably wherever Dessen put him. I just put me wherever Dessen would put me. Yeah, wherever I would put him. So where'd you put him? That's your choice. <laughs> um, I guess I put him in the second nicest room just because the money that's been walking around probably wants the best room. Okay. So, uh, Dorshan, you walk up three flights of stairs past some very nice, much more affordable rooms <laughs> until you get to the top floor and... You see only four doors that head off of this hallway, and you go through... Uh, do you go through the door that Salt said was Ramus's room or your room? The one that they said was Ramus's room. Okay, so you go in there, and Decim is just sort of watching over Ramus, and this is a nice room. It's got a... A, like a separate private corner for the waste bucket and it's got its own like wash basin for for bathing yourself everybody's gonna have the best three nights of their life <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and it's got uh, a private table that would like two people could have a meal around and then this big comfy down and cotton bed uh, piled with pillows and comforters and yeah this is maybe one of the nicer rooms you've seen in your travels he gave me no instruction he said here's Ted Silver go get us rooms <laughs> I'm like okay apparently someone likes to live in luxury let's go <laughs> like ah, gods alright um so I've gotten you some medicine and some incense that should help with the pain. Get lots of rest. Wash yourself tomorrow. I'll procure something for your skin. In the meantime, just get some rest. Decim, a word. So the incense, as Decim and Dorshan leave and you sort of melt into this incredibly comfortable bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> the incense is very calming, uh, very relaxing. I'd, I would probably do a medicine check on, like, I would be very suspicious of anything that somebody gives me. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So I rolled a 12. You did twice as good as I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, you know, would, like, break it open or, or whatever it is and, and, like, dab it with my tongue. You open it and it smells bitter, like most medicine, but the, uh, there's no label and you don't immediately recognize what it's for. I I just like throw it away. <laughs> you don't drink it? No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it would have certainly given you diarrhea. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so back out in the hall with uh, Decim and Dorshan. I'm just, all right, so let me get this straight. I. I gave him 10 silver to rent maybe two rooms, hoping for more than that. That was more than enough, but he spent the whole thing is, and we're staying up here. I thought it too much too, but you know, say not buy nice room. Uh, uh, all right. All right. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's just, it comes with food, right? We get, Food? Uh, I don't know drink. You know what? It's fine. Just um, 
Enjoy yourself. Hopefully he recovers in the amount of time that this is costing. Oh, dude. I just, I, I need to have a lie down. Uh, I saved best room for you. Yes, of course you did. Thank you for that. You pay, you get best. It, yes, of course. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. I'm going to retire there now. Please do not disturb me. I have oh, a massive okay. headache. I, yeah, big headache. All right, so I'm going to uh, retire to, my, to the Grand Suite and basically just live it up for a little bit. I mean, I am paying. It's, it's been paid for, so. Food, food would come. Jeff said food would come, so food does come. Yeah, food, uh, you're actually, you get there just before the food does, and... Yeah, your room is almost twice as big as the other rooms, and you could actually, uh, around the dining table that's in the room, you could have a massive party. Like, everyone could come in, and there would still be seats around the table. So we could have uh, all just been in this one room. Yeah, easily. Yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Send <Yeah>. a dwarf. <laughs> All right, so when the food comes, it's just like, oh, and God, it's got raspberry jam. <laughs> you can't be that bad. That's the thing is you're living like a king. <laughs> no, I know. It's it's the the extravagance of it when I was supposed to be on a budget. Oh, yeah, you're going to need to get a receipt. Yes, that too. <laughs> I'm also going to have to write up this in the report. So that's what I'm going to – I'm going to be eating and um, writing up my reports. Okay. All right, so cut to the next morning, and uh, Ramis is feeling quite a bit better, but still a little weary. And so I'm curious, uh, Decim, what did you do over the? Did you like when the when the sun went down and everyone else was starting to wind down for bed? I'm not sure, just because I've I've been focused on. Uh... Rama, so like, I'm not sure what else I would do other than um, maybe take the adjoining room and keep an ear out for any shenanigans. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what else I would do other than I would be on alert because we just used a whole lot of money and I don't trust anything going on. <laughs> and I'm always looking for attackers, so I'm just on alert. Do you unbind your wrappings or take your goggles off? Does anybody in the party see your face? They haven't seen my face. So I'm going to take advantage of the wash basin, probably. And <laughs> if I don't smell very good, I'll probably give myself... You don't. Yeah, I didn't think I did. <laughs> um, I'm going to at least wash my face and maybe do like a whore's bath. Okay. A very short one. I just realized, you know, my wrappings probably don't smell that great. I probably, if I just stay in the room, maybe I can just wash and wash the bandages so they don't stink that bad. <laughs> okay, so the next morning, everybody just living it up? or I think I would have hesitation to wash, like... You know, I'm so used to living out in, like, the wilderness that I don't even know what to do with myself in this situation. 
now that I have my faculties back, I'm just like, what just happened? <laughs> so I'm like, do people live like this all the time? Well, I'm fucking clean. I'm sparkly, whistly clean. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> In the morning, I will head back to um, that theater yeah. and attempt to purchase um, a large amount of pancake makeup. Okay, so you go back to the theater, and it's it's not open to the public, but you can hear someone is in there moving things around and making a bit of a racket. No, yeah, I'm pounding on the door. <clears throat> uh, all right, so you hear someone approach the other side of the door without opening it. Let me see if I can find a, a fun voice here. Calm down, calm down. What is it? Yes, I need to, uh, I need to purchase a large amount of uh, makeup. This isn't a store, friend. Are you here for auditions or are you here to buy tickets? I'm here to purchase a large amount of makeup, and you're the only place in town that has it. The door cracked open uh, enough that you can see half of the man's face peering out uh, with a, a wild eye. He he just asks, uh, How much were you thinking about buying? A, uh, ten coppers worth. He kind of squints his eye and says, all right, I, I think we can do business. He opens the door, and, and you see this kind of fidgety old man. He's completely bald, but he has very well-manicured facial hair, despite uh, not appearing to have bathed in probably months. His outfit is of incredibly fine make, but it's just really old and tattered and filthy. Come, 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 come. Let's uh, show you what we have in the back. And he, he sort of backs away from the door and, and waves for you to follow him. All right, so I follow him into this place. The place is empty and in, in total disrepair. The curtains are tattered, the benches are rotting, and you get the sense that your foot could just go right through one of these floorboards. Uh, he leads you through this sort of twisting, narrow hallway that makes the place seem a lot deeper and more complex than it did from the outside. Uh, until you reach the backstage area, which is just dense with ropes and, you know, rudimentary pulleys and levers and mechanisms that uh, must run under the stage. <clears throat> uh, you see costumes on racks that are all moth-eaten, uh, piles of stage props and building materials. The whole time he's been muttering about how his life passion to bring these people the joys of the theater and the art of the stage... But these yokels care nothing about art. They All they talk about is work and toil and money. None of them appreciate my grand vision for what this town could become. But my next work, yes, that will be the one. That will open their eyes. And he he just sort of keeps talking like that. Uh, as, and you just sort of get the sense that he'll keep you here all day if he could. No, I'm uninterested. I'm I'm waiting for him to show me the makeup. All right, all right, I found it. All the leftover makeup from our last performance. Uh, we've got your basic white cream and red rouge, as, as well as some cobalt and some cadmium powders for a splash more color, or charcoal for shadowing and contour. No, just a large amount of the white cream and maybe um, half as much of the rouge. Uh, <laughs> make like a raw intelligence check, I guess. Woo! <laughs> yes, I was. Oh, man. <sighs> Six. Mm. Okay, so you buy a 
tub of white cream and a small tin of red powder and, and you're absolutely confident that this is all perfectly safe to apply to the skin. So Dorshan just sort of grabs the makeup and beats a hasty retreat back to Ramos, just sort of leaving the theater director a, a little dejected, surrounded by the vestiges of his own mediocrity and failure. Okay, so Ramos, uh, it's still relatively early in the morning, you're still kind of recovering, and Dorshan barges into the room, and <laughs> he's carrying a couple of, like, big tubs. I, uh... I kind of look at him suddenly, and I'm still just as dirty as I was the day before, and uh, but I'm out of bed, barely clothed. All right, so I've procured you some, um, some makeup. Why don't you some what? Some cream to put over your skin. It will, it will uh, hide your veins. Oh, is this not common? It's going to be very upsetting to anyone other than, say, myself or someone else who is also experienced with those who have survived the touch of um, the scar. Yes, I, I know that's not common. I meant to be one with the earth to... Uh, uh, I don't know if I can relate. What What is this? At least until we get to... Uh, um, to our destination. You needn't put it over your entire body, just the parts the parts of your skin that are exposed. I see. So this is to not attract attention? Yes. I would very much like to avoid that. I I suppose. I uh how does this work? <laughs> how our group doesn't attract attention? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> out of character like in my head i thought that this was like a really good idea but <laughs> now you can see it going south so fast <laughs> i can but at the same time i'm committed to it because th my character is that kind of full of himself and he thinks that this is a brilliant idea of course he does of course it he is does. brilliant right and and I'm just everything uh, he does is brilliant. I'm just going along with it because I am feeling totally out of my element, and I'm like, I guess this is how people act, you know. That's 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 the thing I've noticed <laughs> with with uh, Dorshan is that he's so full of himself. You're just like, I guess he's right, and you just kind of do exactly what he says. You're like, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, why don't you use that wash basin and clean yourself up, and then we'll try to apply this I'm not entirely sure myself although i did read a you know so, so like in the middle of him talking i just kind of walk over and strip down to butt ass naked and just start bathing well done <laughs> right <laughs> all right so i'm going to attempt to apply makeup to myself as a test it is thick and uh, as it starts to dry, the edges kind of turn a little crusty, and it's not subtle. All right, so I'll try dusting a little bit of the rouge over the top of it. It's very bright, red. Uh, it could be seen. <laughs> it's a clown. It's clown makeup. <laughs> it, it could be easily seen from, you know, 30 yards that you have these 
bright red cheeks. All right, oh, try please, it. please tell me Daxim sees him doing this while he's in that room. Daxim just walks by. He's like applying makeup. Please, God. All right, how about how about if I spread it like, um, kind of mix the two a little bit. Uh, it creates this kind of hopefully into a putty. So it's gonna be bright red. <laughs> it, it thickens it up and makes it harder to apply, and the result is this kind of like thick layer of pink clay on your face. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mix up. I'm... I love him trying. <laughs> All right, I'm going to wash it off, and then I'm going to mix up a large batch of it. Doubling <laughs> down. So you just you just dump the rouge into the paste. I'm it, so sorry, Dave. Really, I'm so sorry. No, this is amazing. <laughs> As you finish mixing it, it just turns into this really thick, like, like clay. Like it's like a putty. He could have just gotten that side. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it. I'm like. Well, it's it's an improvement. Uh <laughs> <sighs> so that happens. Uh so I'm not like paying I'm not paying attention to what he's doing really while I'm bathing. I'm uh so I'm just like I finish up bathing and then I turn around and he's got this like application stick or something like that and uh it's just this <laughs> thick glopping putty hanging off of it thicker than any um, mud or clay you would normally rub on yourself. Here, rub this all over your face. Uh, what? <laughs> so, also, this is, like, the first time he's seen my skin, so now he's probably, like, a little bit revulsed by black yes. veins, like, poking out at every edge. Yeah, his, his edge. skin is a deep gray, and the, uh, the veins are just a strikingly, like, blue-black ebon color. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, rub this over your face, please. And neck. Uh, should I clothe myself first, or what? As you wish. Just um, yeah. Why don't you do that? <laughs> so I uh I try to clean some of my armor and stuff, and I just tell them um just leave it on the table. All right. Um, call me back when uh you finished. <laughs> All right, so you finish cleaning your armor and sort of dusting out some of your clothes and getting dressed. Uh, what do you do with the paste? So I uh, I go about proceeding with it, and is there any kind of way to look at myself while it's being applied? And this, yeah, there's a there's a mirror. Okay. There's a like a freestanding like uh, framed mirror. Yeah, like a framed full size mirror. You can see your whole body. So in the interest of trying to fit in, I'm going to try to do a very good job of doing it, but I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so is there some kind of um, role that I should do? or? Uh, and I'm also trying to cover the veins specifically because they, they kind of freak I... me out. Like I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are new for you too. Yeah, exactly. Um, it would be a disguise a disguise tool, but you don't have that proficiency, so just make a dexterity check. Okay. So I rolled a 15 plus 5 is 20. Yay! He can get it in all the places. <laughs> <laughs> that is exposed. You do, uh, 
you do a a surprisingly skillful job applying this makeup. Uh, it's thicker than what you're used to putting on your skin, but it's uh, same principle. You keep the edges from flaking or crumbling too hard, but when you step away <laughs> and look at yourself in the mirror, you have just this unnaturally bright pink cracked skin like as it dries there's no keeping it from sort of cracking and becoming a little dusty and the it's just this i just it's hot pink it's just this super bright pink yeah, it looks like a doll all it over like your doll exposed skin. skin yeah it looks like doll skin yeah 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 so um and the other thing is like by the end the the rouge had sort of hastened the drying process for the the cream yeah so in the tub there's plenty left but it's just real hard and it's almost impossible to make any more use of it okay so i um i like try to appear happy and i like smile in the mirror <laughs> And I, I imagine, like, I imagine seeing, like, the black ink teeth, you know, from, um, like, the Pirates movies and stuff like that. And uh, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I just, like, close my mouth really fast and um, I don't call to him. I just go downstairs to look for him. So, Dorshan, were you waiting outside or were you waiting downstairs? Yeah, I was waiting outside. Okay. As, soon okay. as, so, come, as soon as you come out, I look you up and down. I'm like, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to work. <laughs> the pride that's on Dorshin's face. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so I, I, uh, okay. I'm like, so this is acceptable? For the time being, yes probably have to get some more later or we'll you can just return to using mud but for now this will be okay <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez <sighs> so what do you guys do in the rest of day 2 you know what i'm doing drinking no i'm my room is my door is locked oh oh right so if anybody goes looking for salt the door is locked and you notice that if the the bellboy uh, brings up food, he has them leave it outside and then comes and collects it later. How am I feeling? Feeling mostly better. I'd say you have one level of exhaustion and uh, all your hit dice, but uh, you'll need to rest the full day to get rid of that last rank of exhaustion. So I take it everybody is just sort of living it up Yes. I don't believe so because I don't know what living it up means. So that's um, also similar. Yeah. So I think <laughs> the I'm just happy not to be stinky at this point. Um, and uh, I think I'm mostly just waiting on things to dry so I can put them back on. So I don't think I've really come out of the room yet. Okay. So you're also kind of locked up. Well, the door's not really locked. Locked. It's just like you don't. Uh, you're held. You're held up. I'm held up in the room. 
Okay. So, is Dorshan, are you in your room? Yes, I will be in my room, basically living it up because it's all been paid for at this point. So I go and knock on his door. It's like, ah, Ramus, come in. So I um, head in and sit down at the table. Do you mind if we talk? Of course. What's on your mind? Why, why are you investigating the Black Scar site? Um, are you familiar with my order? Somewhat. <clears throat> the vaults of lore that uh, my order has created is constantly in need of new information. And the scar in particular is of great interest to us. I see. What, for what purpose? The purpose of determining what it is. Knowing more about it. Hmm. You do this at great risk to you and those who are around you. Yes. Yes, we do. And uh, um, believe me, I am well aware of that risk. Well aware. Take a drink. What kind of drink did you offer him? No, I mean, I'm taking a drink. Oh. Um, the, the only thing that I really know about the, uh, uh, our destination is that there has recently been a, a blooming of the, uh, of the scar. Never before has one of my orders gotten to study one so, so new. Perhaps you could just learn this from me and you could be on your way. I have studied them and have been very close. Unfortunately, my order is very specific about learning information firsthand. Why is, why is that important? It is the, uh, the will of the order. I can see that you will not be swayed. It's like, don't worry, my friend. It's, uh, is, um, something that has been our burden to bear for some time. We seekers are the ones who actually acquire the knowledge it is the um, the scribes back at um, in the halls um, of the vaults of lore, which will actually uh, pour over this um, information later on. Do you do pilgrimages? Um, many. I've uh, was trained in the uh, the holy city. What I mean is, how do they get that information? I send reports. I see. So how do they know? I also have my logs and. Um, when we reach the uh, uh, when we reach an actual church of my order, I'll be able to uh, inform them. The information will, uh, will trickle back to um, the vaults eventually. This is very strange, but I see it's important to you and your order. Uh, Dave, I'm going to recommend that you make a uh, uh, not a perception, an insight check. Sure, one sec. I got an eleven. Hmm. Are you deceiving me? Apparently I am. With an 11 insight versus Dorshan's whopping 22 deception, uh, you genuinely believe that that's the way his order operates, that he sends actual physical reports to his cult's temples, and that he has every intention of returning alive, and that this is totally not a suicide mission. I see. So I, uh, I kind of, like, don't even say thank you or anything like that i just stand up and walk out of the room <laughs> i finished my drink <laughs> all right so unless anyone had anything else they wanted to do the night just sort of comes and goes with that incident and 
Ramis is feeling hale and hearty the next morning after two nights of rest. Yay! And so, do you stay the third night uh, that you already paid for, or do you try and check out early? Do you try and get a refund? Um, if he's feeling better, then I'm going to try and get a refund. Yeah, I would be ready to go. I'd be like, let's get out of here. Okay, so you you head downstairs that morning. Uh, what do you say to the innkeeper? All right, so our companion is feeling better, and we need to hit the road. Uh, my understanding is that um, my man paid you in advance for three days. I'm going to need a refund on the last. Oh, I'm sorry. There are no refunds when you pay up front. That's why I let your manservant get the discount. I hope that we can uh, come to an exception. You know that the... Uh, the Cult of Book also prints um, travel logs and uh, and advertisements for um, places who uh, we have found um, to be quite hospitable. And let me say, your upper floor is quite hospitable. Okay, go ahead and uh, make a persuasion check on that one. So that's a 15, right? Yeah, it's a 15. Not bad. Okay, so he gets a... 10. So you can promise me you'll speak well of us in this publication? Certainly I can. As soon as it's written into the um, into one of my reports, then uh, it all goes back to the halls of, um, halls of lore. And when do you think we can expect to see our own copy, so we can know what kind of things you had to say about us? Well, it depends on how quickly um, books travel to your fine city. I could put in a request to... Uh, um, um, for haste. That would be greatly appreciated. He looks down to consult his ledger and make some quick marks. Let's see. You paid three nights plus insurance. You stayed two nights less your bar tab. I'll give you back two silver. All right. So, um, all right. I'll I'll just accept it and be like, thank you. Your patronage has been uh, most accommodating. You're always welcome, sir. We hope you truly enjoyed your stay with us, and we shall wait for your kind review. And thank you. So basically, we, we paid half what he was originally going to charge us. Uh, you paid nine silver instead of twelve, and got back two. So yeah, you paid seven silver total. So almost half off what he tried to get out of you at first. All right, so um, <laughs> I'll scribble something on a sheet saying, you know... Stayed two nights, was, you know, um, in best suite, would stay again. <laughs> Local playhouse, poor makeup. <laughs> I think he thinks it's amazing makeup. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fair, enough. Yeah. Fair enough on that. All right. So you guys head northwest out of Sadebeer and... Uh, are you going to hire any horses or try to connect with another caravan or are you just going to hoof it the rest of the way? Um, the caravan that we were on, they're all um, at walking speed, right? The Looking at a map, you would say that caravan is probably, so it's been two nights. So that caravan is probably left Lotenden by this morning. So they're already on the roads up the foothills into the forests on the way to Blood Iron. So they're about a day ahead of us. So so they are doing um kind of like a jogging pace. 
Yeah, they've got money to make. Yep. When you were with them, they basically used the wagons and shifts so that the passengers could keep up with the horses at um, not quite a jogging, but sort sort of a stiff walking pace. Okay. How much would it be to rent a horse? Um, rent, or is there another um, caravan that's going to be traveling faster? Uh. Go ahead and make an investigation check. Eight. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> um, you find one stable house you might be able to buy some suboptimal horses from, but it burned through your expedition funds. Uh, you could try renting them, but they'd need some collateral. And uh, you don't find out about any caravans that are going to be coming your way that wouldn't put you way, way behind schedule. How much is it going to be for the four horses? I don't think we should take the horse. I think we should foot it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, <it's... laughs> These horses are all kind of older and not of great stock, but even so, it'd still be about 20 to 30 silver each. So to get enough for the whole party would be, I think, more than you've got left in the expedition fund. No, I know. Basically, as soon as they like, will sell the horse, it'd be like, no, no, not sell, rent. And they're like, no, no. No, no, no. That's when I'm like, all right, now we're hoofing it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so it's mid-morning by the time you've concluded your business in town and head out following the dirt roads northwest towards Lotenton and the Blood Iron Bastion. There are low rolling hills covered in farmland that extend in every direction, but on the horizon you can just see the Steel Dwarf Mountains to the west, which fall away into the forested foothills and coastal cliffs of the Iron Dwarves to the northwest. Uh, and let's not forget, Ramus is still an unearthly hue of bright pink. So that's where we'll call the episode. Join us next time for a game of Two Dwarf Monty as our party continues uh, bonding on their adventurous path to the Blood Iron Bastion. Uh, who knows, we may even have our first combat encounter. Uh, I want to say thanks again to our composer, Rob Quillen, for our incredible theme song, at Rob Quillen on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks as well to Kelly Bordner for our graphic design. And thank you all for listening to the end. Please rate and subscribe on whatever service you're listening to. Uh, as this goes up, we're currently on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, we aren't paying any money for advertising, so if you like the podcast and want to help Keep it going. Uh, please spread the word on social media. You can find us at Death and Access Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And if you tweeted us with name suggestions using the hashtag DAA Names, we may just use your suggestion for an NPC name and give you a shout out on the podcast. Thanks again for listening all the way to the end, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>